So today I have Chris Taylor. He is an educator. He's been teaching eighth grade middle schoolers for 10 years now. He's a Stanford graduate and I wanted to check in with him and see how he's dealing with the COVID um, crisis as a teacher and also how his students are holding up. Yeah, we're good. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. How yeah. Staying, staying indoors, staying safe and healthy, hopefully. Right. Considering the circumstances. I know. Good. Oh my God. I, I can't imagine, you know, being in a classroom one day and then the next day, you know, being told, guess what? You're going to teach all of your students remotely <laughs> until who knows, who knows? Yeah. And that's literally how it happened too. They, they didn't tell us anything until actually I found out from a student that it was closing down. Are um, you serious? For some reason, he was on the, the school district website and told me, hey, we, it's, it's happening. So we knew it was coming, but we just didn't know when. Um, and so that was interesting to be in a room with a bunch of 13-year-olds and, and just kind of have to fly by the seat of your pants, you know? Were they, I mean, because you're, you're, you're an awesome teacher. I know you personally, but you're really close with your students. So were, were they, could you tell, like, were they scared or frightened or like, was there any emotion happening when you, when you found out like, okay, you know, we're not doing in person anymore. Yeah. And it had been building for, for a while, obviously for, mm -hmm. you know, weeks and even a month or so we'd, we'd been hearing about this. And so we'd spent a lot of time talking about it. Um, and I think for kids that age, the the anxiety and the nervousness comes out in sort of like this kind of nervous, goofy sort of energy. They won't they won't ever tell you that they're nervous or what they're nervous about, but you can kind of just mm. feel it in the room, and it affects classroom management and it affects learning, obviously. Right, right. Because I know I know with your students, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of services that are provided while within the school, you know, within the school district. But now that mm -hmm. everything is remote, for instance, um, I was talking to you earlier about, uh, you know, like food essentially, right? Like lunches, a lot of students depend on the school system to get their lunches. And a lot of people um, don't really know about this, but also like mental health services, right? Like counseling and et cetera. Um, can you, can you dive in a little bit about like what your school's doing, um, specifically in terms of helping with these two huge bonuses that educate, like education provides and your school system provides? Yeah. So I don't know exactly how it works for other schools. We have a, what we call a community school model. And so there's a lot of those wraparound services that are provided by the school. Mm -hmm. Um, and that does include a lot of counseling services, um, Obviously, it includes meals, um, just just a lot of different things. There's a um, there's a full time staff member who's just dedicated to making sure families have what they need. So um, that's one of the reasons I like the school that I'm at. Um, but the district has done a lot a lot in um, in uh, since the school closure to make sure that families are taken care of. There's four school sites that are still open serving food. Um, four days, five days a week. Um, That's great. Basically, uh, families can, can drive up. They have to open up their trunk. Um, and then uh, the 
cafeteria staff will put the food in the trunk and then they drive off. They're not allowed to get out of their car. Wow. Just for because of social social distancing. Right. No. For, right, because you don't want anyone in the kitchen getting sick because if they get infected, I mean, the staff like they're the ones handling all the food. You got to make sure, especially those that are providing the meals, stay healthy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of a lot of organizations have stepped up, um, churches and volunteer organizations. Uh, my wife, uh, Co, who you know, mm -hmm, um, yeah. works for B BTP of the Peninsula. Just a little shout out to them. They they're serving at the East Palo Alto Clubhouse. They're serving 800 meals a night. Um, wow! For, and what what is there. what is it Co's working with? You cut out a little bit. It, uh, it's it's the Boys and Girls Club of the Peninsula. So got BTCP. it. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, that's awesome! My gosh. Yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of services for folks. So I, I've been trying um, the last couple of weeks just to make sure that my students and the families uh, have access to those services and know about them. Right. No, I mean, I just because it's such like who know i mean this is not this somewhat uncharted territory at least for this mm -hmm. generation like i've never experienced anything like this and i i absolutely see the negative sides of everything that's happening obviously many people are getting sick and ill but out of it a lot of positive things are happening um to your point in terms of working together and getting meals to people who really need them right like they they depend mm -hmm. on these services um what about like the mental health counseling services? Are those still being offered? Yeah, so we're doing over the phone and online uh, counseling. So we have the, oh, the, regular, the regular team consists of um, one in-house counselor, there's a school psychologist, and then there's several counselors that are um, contracted through the county. And so that's, I, I think that's still going, um, as usual with uh, over, like I said, over the phone and, and online sessions. Can you speak a little bit more and, and to the best of your knowledge, right? Like you're, you're an educator, you're a teacher, you're not a counselor, but um, I think there's so much value in what you do as an educator. But I also think in terms of the mental health, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Support provided in the educational system. That's not, some people may not even know that exists really or what a counselor mm -hmm. within your school because they're doing a tremendous job, right? So they have mm -hmm. not only normal day-to-day, -day, you know, situations that happen with, you know, middle schoolers, right? There's always something. But in addition to that, a global pandemic. So that's a lot. I mean, honestly, like if, if anyone suffers from anxiety or any, any sort of mental health um, issue like this, it's heightened, like right? Like I would mm. say way heightened. So I can only imagine how much strain is on here, the counseling staff to help support your students. And I'm sure as an educator too, you see the benefits of it with your kids because you're with them all the time. You're the one, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't speak too much to, to, to sort of their experiences from the counseling end of it. Um, I know that it's a really, really intense job that the, the counselor that we work with um, is just, she's amazing, but I, I know she's just holding a lot. Um, and so 
that's some really important work from from the teacher's point of view like we know it's actually kind of the new frontier of education right now is looking at how um, uh, trauma and um, unaddressed mental illness is sort of a big part of what we see in the achievement gap um, and so or the, the opportunity gap the, the um, education gap um, and, and part of the reason for that is because we know from brain science that um, the part of the brain that sort of processes emotions and sort of gets stuck in trauma, which is called the limbic system, uh, when that's engaged, the prefrontal cortex can't do what it's supposed to do, which is picking up new information and learning. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's so important, and I see it on a daily basis like if you can if you can kind of work through whatever the students sort of bringing in that day then you can get to a place where they can actually do some good learning um and then you also see the opposite where you, you there you can just tell the students sort of in this in this loop um and they're just not able to engage in in the work you're asking them to do so super important um and I think it needs to be seen as more of an integral part of, of the education system as, as opposed to just sort of this um, separate realm. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, to your point, it affects the capacity to learn. Mm. I mean, you can't retain information if you're in a, height, in a heightened state, right? And you're, you're experiencing right. trauma. So, and, and so with that in mind, I mean, I, I know you're very involved in terms of helping your students, um, being there for them. Um, how is it now? I know it's, it's fairly new for your school specifically in terms of remote education, um, but how is it, are you still in the prep work stage? Like how, how is that going? Like, are you able, do you feel like you can still be there for your students just as much as you were in person? I imagine it's 10 times harder. That's a really good question. I think it is harder because um, it's not as personal. So a lot of what I've been doing is actually checking in with students and making sure they have the, the, the devices and the Wi-Fi that they're going to need. Um, and uh, just checking in one-on-one -on -one with students, which is a lot of work. I mean, if you think about 60 kids, um, 60? trying to get all that set up. You have yeah, 60 kids? 60. Yeah. Six zero. Six zero, yeah. It's a middle school. It's two classes of wow. about thirty I mean, I haven't been in middle school in quite some time, so I just, I that's so many kids. Oh my gosh, that's so much on your plate right now. Right, right. Wow. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. I'm just. I didn't realize it was that many kids that you're responsible for. Um, I mean, in general, that's a lot, but I can only imagine doing, figuring, navigating this through as you're going along remotely as mm -hmm. every other teacher out there. Um, are you getting, are you finding any um, blockers? Because I, I have friends, um, you know, with kids and they're talking about how it's difficult for them to kind of get everything together and organize. I think it's a huge, um, a huge weight for everyone, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I, my question to you is what, what advice or what, what would be your request 
out there to parents potentially with students just I don't know if you've been experiencing I don't know if anyone has hopefully not but any sort of like frustration or anything geared towards you because you specifically have done nothing you're just there to help these kids out and you're doing the best mm -hmm, that you can mm -hmm. remotely so is there anything that someone you know any parent could do to help you out um like what would be your request what would be helpful to you as an educator that's a really good question i i haven't thought about it that way and i think part of it is because my the parents i work with are super um they're super supportive in every way that they can be so um yeah i think they're doing a great job i think everybody's doing a great job kids have been super patient um and that's huge yeah. especially for middle schoolers in general right that's for sure for sure that's huge i think well, it, it, it was really sweet because we did this week we did our first community circle online um and so community circle is where we we get together every morning uh get in a circle and do some just do some uh social emotional work and uh we set that up for them online for the first time two days ago and they were just super sweet i mean uh, they just, you could tell how much they were just craving that social interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just really nice to be back with them. Um, so I, I've missed them and, uh, and, and, and I've done a lot of learning in terms of how to, how to um, create videos of myself teaching and then obviously doing, you know, an online community circle. That's not something I'm used to doing, uh, but it's been good. It's been a good learning curve for me. Where did it, the online community circle, I've never heard of this. Is this something that you came up with or is this something standard I'm just unaware of? So it, I think some schools are really pushing towards uh, really focusing on social emotional learning uh, in addition to academic learning. Um, and so a community circle is one tool that you could use to sort of build community and do some work around uh, issues that students are bringing into the classroom as a whole class. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something we've been doing for years. Uh, the question is how, how do you do that online? So uh, we looked at, we're, we're basically using Google Meets to, to have everyone log in. So we had about 30 kids plus uh, two teachers um, and we went through the regular community circle sort of agenda online and it, was, it worked out really well. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love hearing that. That's awesome. Um, and I, I can't help but just want to ask you again, is there, I feel like, especially as a teacher, um, you already do so much for your students. Is there anything that like I could do for you to help you out? Is there anything parents, I know you deal with really awesome parents. I'm just thinking in more general terms in terms of people who are sitting at home, potentially like me, right? I'm just hanging out in my apartment all the time. Like, is there anything mm -hmm. that we can do to help and support you? I would say, I mean, I think the biggest thing is probably donating to some of these organizations that are really supporting our, our students. Mm -hmm. Boys and Girls Club of the Peninsula is a great one. Um, there's a foundation here in Redwood City that's doing amazing work um, with helping uh, folks pay their rent. Um, providing meals like we already talked about. I mean, I think one of the biggest concerns in the community right now, it's interesting to talk talk to folks, um, families, it's not getting sick. That's not the, on the forefront of their mind. 
um, what's on the forefront of their mind is um, losing their housing, losing their job, trying to find a meal, going to these grocery stores and having uh, empty shelves. So I think for this community, it's really, um, they're, they're really kind of living on the, on, on the line in a way that, that many of us um, uh, are not. Um, and so I think, I, I think that maybe the, the fears and the concerns are a little bit different than we might expect. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up too. Um, I think to your point, top of mind for a lot of people is actually getting sick. But of course, if you're struggling, just, you know, if you had a job that you no longer have a job, how are you going to pay rent? How are you going to, I know with a city that I live in, they have, um, you know, it's six months lead way, right. In terms of like paying rent, you can't be evicted, but in six months, if you don't have a job and you don't have income coming in, how are you going to pay off all of this rent and mm -hmm. groceries? And if you have kids support your children. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that up. I think that's really important note too, that there's so, there's so much other things happening other than the main focal point, which is staying healthy, you know, social distancing, which is super, super important, but additionally just supporting those that really need support right this moment in terms of eating and, and staying healthy, right? And being able to nourish their children. Totally, definitely. I'm gonna post some links in terms of some support sites um, for people to go ahead and donate if they have the means, if they have the capability to do so. Um, but is there, is there anything for teachers specifically, anything that would be, are you typing right now? <laughs> I am, is that, is that not allowed? You can, t I can no. just hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll stop. No, what I was looking for was, uh, I was looking for the specific name of that organization I was talking about. I believe it's the Redwood City Education Fund. Um, and in terms of ending on a high note, I think they've raised over $260,000 for, wow. for low-income folks in, in, in North Fair Oaks, Redwood City. So that's awesome. Um, that's super awesome. Um, you were asking about um, uh, resources for teachers, or mm -hmm. um, I know I know that a lot of teachers rely pretty heavily on GoFundMe um, as a as a as a resource or as a source of um, funding for their individual classrooms. So I know that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I'm sure there's a ton of amazing organizations doing work to support teachers. Yeah. Well, I. I mean, I, I appreciate everything that you're doing, Chris. I know that I, I know you're an awesome person and you're an awesome teacher and educator. I mean, you've been doing this for 10 years, so it just shows, um, you know, you're, you're in it and you care about the people you're with. And I know your students definitely are affected by your humbleness and your generosity. And it's, it's greatly appreciated. And thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy working. So, um, and prepping for courses coming up. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me and educate me a little bit about, um, you know, what's going on with you and what's going on with your students and your school. And also those amazing organizations, um, I'll definitely have that all in, in the bio underneath this video. So people can go ahead and donate if they have the means to. Um, and if they don't, just keep the social distancing, keep everyone safe and healthy. Um, so thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate your time. 
Thanks, Sarah. All Thanks, right. Ed. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can see each other in person soon. <laughs> hopefully. God willing. Yeah. Well, stay healthy and take care. I'll see you. Okay. See you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.